Join me as I read Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being our cornerstone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, well, I feel like really I just need to just sit down and call it a day. Thank you, Sheena. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Ramirez, for coming home. Thank you, Cassie. Um, okay, we're talking about home today, if y'all have not figured that out. Uh, so I'm going to, this is going to be a little different because y'all know I'm a little different. First of all, it's going to be uh, a little more interactive today than probably usual. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to close your eyes and imagine the word home. So everybody please close your eyes. Home. 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 Okay, you may open your eyes. Okay, now it's participation time. Uh, how many of y'all saw a building of some kind? Raise your hand. Building, when we say home. Okay. Know that 60% of Americans saw either the place where they were born, the place where they spent the majority of their life, or they placed the place where they graduated from. The rest of Americans who saw a building saw where they live today. So about 60-40 was the split. So what kinds of houses did you see when you were closing your eyes? What kind of places were you looking at? Um, if you live on Colcord, you might have seen a Tudor revival. You might have seen a colonial home. You might have seen a mid-century modern in this neighborhood, or a ranch, or a split level. You might have seen a bungalow, or four square. How many of y'all saw a yurt? Apartment, a 30-story building? How about a building on stilts in a lake? Cinder block house, public housing, houseboats, camper trailers. Those are all homes, right? Homes are all different all over the world, yet they're still homes. Okay, so maybe you didn't imagine a house or a building. Did any of y'all imagine our big blue marble? Anybody? You know, that's our home. We only have one home. It's this little tiny speck in a little tiny corner of a little tiny galaxy in a great big universe. Uh, one physicist that I read said that it has the same relationship, our planet, to the universe as the tip of a big pin has to our solar system. We live in a great big universe on a little tiny blue marble. We're both small and big. How many of y'all imagined yourself when I said home? One person, thank you. 
Okay, so now I'm going to speak to him. <laughs> Did you realize that there are 90 million living creatures inhabiting your body? Not just you. 90 million animals and plants live on you, live in you. They curry you, they comb you, they clean you. They keep your body running correctly. Everything from your eyelashes to your gut. 90 million creatures are constantly working to make sure you work okay. We are home to a whole lot of God's creation, each of us, including ourselves. So home can be really, really big, like our universe, or it can be really, really small. Home can also be past, present, and future. So we're going to talk about that for a second. Most of us, when we heard the word home, we evoked something in our past or our present, right? Hard to imagine your future. But some of us do think of home and future. So we're going to start with the past first. You might have seen England. You might have seen Cameroon. You might have seen Omaha or Hawaii. Or you might have seen Golinda or Sanger Heights. You know, home might be Japan. Home might be North Waco. Home can be as big or as small as it needs to be, but your past has something to do with your definition of home. Now, Pam and I have been watching this show, and spoiler alert, it, season three is over, and Pam and I have been watching Stranger Things. Raise your hand if you've watched it at least once. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. <laughs> but one of the things that, as I was thinking about the word home for the last couple of weeks, is it's a TV show about home. It's about this town called Hawkins, Indiana, which may be the most vanilla town in America. And right in the middle of that town, something strange and terrible is happening. And so all these normal people are being called to be abnormally brave. One of the things I like about Stranger Things is the people in that town are going to fight for their homes. Will Byers' home and Sheriff Hopper's home. Uh, it makes a point of having the metaphorical battles with evil take place largely in people's homes. <clears throat> Isn't that where it usually happens? The evil that creeps into us, usually we have to fight it in our own homes. Now, when we think about home in our future, a lot of us start thinking about that word heaven. And boy, talking about a word that has lots of different meanings for lots of different people. Uh, 
I'm going to tell you about my mom and I. Okay, And she's not here to defend herself. She's up in heaven already. And I hope she got what she wanted. My mom, for my whole life, being a good Catholic who turned Baptist, Patty, you weren't the first, <laughs> saw heaven as being a place with giant golden mansions and golden streets. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand on that one. That was her picture, and she couldn't let go of it. And so when she was ready to die, the last weeks of her life, she kept saying, I'm going home, I'm going home. And everyone in the family knew that she was looking at golden houses on golden streets. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, that's not my picture. Mine makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> Here goes. It's a place called Hunting Ford, Nebraska. That's heaven for me. It's got cornfields that go on forever. And in the middle of those cornfields is this cabin built by a ex-slave 150 years ago. And it's lived in by a lady named Mother Abigail. And she always has supper ready for whoever shows up. Mother Abigail is the grandchild of a freed slave. And she's big and she's loving and her arms are always outstretched when you come down the dirt road to her house. So see how much more sense mine makes? Um, heaven, our home that we think we are going to can be as crazy as golden mansions or as sane as a dirt road in the middle of a cornfield. Home is where we find it, right? Big and small, past, present, and future. Home. You know, studies have shown that for our psychological well-being, and this is really fun, it requires a sense of homeness that the people who didn't handle their traumas well, people who get PTSD, probably didn't have a strong sense of home. And as the people I work with, and I know David works with, uh, the more I get to know their past history, they came from trauma and joined the military to get away from the trauma, and what happened? they were re-traumatized and they were traumatized again and they got out and the VA didn't provide their needs as they needed them when they needed them and they were re-traumatized again. And they have discovered that people had a, who had a strong sense of home, who knew where they came from and where they were going could handle the trauma a lot better. Didn't say they didn't get it, they could handle it a lot better. Kim Mulkey talks about home all the time. What? What does she always say on those when she's talking to the reporters here locally and she wants people to show up at the basketball game? She talks about home court advantage, right? She understands the power of home. 
She understands that there's something if we feel safe and accepted and secure, we do better. That's what home court advantage means. It's not playing in the golden dome. It's having all those people, many who come from Lakeshore, <laughs> screaming their hearts out for her girls and her. That's what home court advantage is. So you've got a feeling now you're catching on to what my definition of home is. Home is where it's safe, and home is where I'm accepted. So let me tell you where I got those two words from biblically. One is from the Gospel of the Wizard of Oz, and the other is from the Gospel of Cheers. You see, for me as a pop culture addict, our world tells us things, and if we listen, God speaks through all the things around us. In The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy goes to the most colorful, imaginative place in the universe, right? Kind of like Mr. Plumbean's house. She came from a black and white world. But where does she want to go throughout the whole story? She wants to go home, yeah. And where is home? It's embodied in one person, Auntie M. So when she says, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, and she taps, what? The ruby slippers together. She immediately is there in bed with Auntie M looking at her. What a lucky girl. She is safe and accepted at her farm in nowhere, black and white, Kansas. In the same way, in the 1980s, when Pam and I were first married, and we'd stay up and watch this show together called Cheers, I discovered a powerful metaphor for home. That bar was a place that this guy named Norm could come in every night and have a beer. And as soon as he walked in the door, what did everyone scream? Norm. This guy had failure after failure after failure in his life. Yet at Cheers in Boston, he was accepted and safe. They should have called it Cheers Church. So let's try to get back to our Christian definitions. In Ephesians, it says we're no longer strangers and aliens. Now, back in Exodus, it says we need, because we were strangers and aliens, we need to treat strangers and aliens right. We are all ex-strangers and aliens. But now in Ephesians, as Christians, we flip that picture on its head and it says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are now what? We are citizens because Jesus has brought us into the fold. And he's the cornerstone on which we're going to build this new world 
where we are no longer strangers and aliens. God has given us himself through Christ to flip everything on its head. And then to top it off, it says that he gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us so that we are no longer trying to get home. But what? We are home because God is in us. And ultimately, if God is in us, we are already home. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't it be nice if we acted that way? You know, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien discussed the concept of homeness night after night in Magdalen College in Cambridge. And both of them ended up writing stories about getting home. Lord of the Rings is about going on a journey and what was it originally called? There and back again. It's not just going on a journey. Tolkien understood that to go home, you have to go and come back. C.S. Lewis wrote about Narnia. And in writing about Narnia, he had the Pevens's kids get on a train, go out to the West Country, crawl through a, a clothes closet, and end up in Narnia, go on all sorts of adventures. And the very last book, and I hope I'm not spoiling this for any of y'all, the very last book called The Last Battle, does anybody remember what happens to the Pevenses? They all die in a train crash. Yeah, it's not the story that Hollywood would give us, right? Lewis understood this, that in World War II, lots of bombs were dropping on train stations. And so at the end of the story, the kids get on a train, there's a train crash, and they all die. But guess what? Where are they when they die? They're home. Because they've understood that God came to them in the form of Aslan and helped them understand their place in the universe. And so at the end of the story, when they die here, they're alive there. And they go on to have children and grandchildren and so on and so forth. What a wonderful way to end your own story, right? That when I die, my story will go on somewhere else. Stranger Things and C.S. Lewis both talk about multiverses. I wish Steve was here today. You know, everybody heard the term multiverse? If you haven't, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> but Big Bang Theory talks about it all the time. Um, so, home. Look around you. What do we say? This is our church home. But is the building our church home? Mm, I don't think so. You know why? Because what do we call this building? The house of worship. So I think on some level, all of us understand that this is a house. We are the home. Home is in your heart, home is in your head, home is with the people around you. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you a minute about vacation Bible school fantasies. Okay, my, I didn't go to church when I was little. My mom was Catholic, my dad was Methodist. You can't find a church where those two faiths kind of fit together. So my mom in the summer would send us all to vacation Bible school. 
Nazarene Bible School, Presbyterian Bible School, Methodist Bible School, lots of Baptist Bible schools. And we'd basically fill up the summer by going and getting snow cones and building weird little craft projects. And that was Vacation Bible School. And learning about Noah over and over and over again. Every summer, let's talk about Noah and let's talk about David. So anyway, one of the things I learned in Vacation Bible School, and if you learn this, do it with me. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the door, and here's all the people. Okay. I submit to you that that's a lie. Because this is not the church. This is what? A building. Nothing more, nothing less. There's nothing magical about this building. The magic is here. This is the church. You and me. Us together. This is where the power is. Right here. Lakeshore. We are home sweet home. It's not a place we go. It's a thing we are. Now you notice it doesn't say house sweet house. Right? It says home sweet home. And that little crocheted thing in a frame could be carried from building to building wherever people went. And my mom was the daughter of a sharecropper. And so they carried that little sign home sweet home from house to house to house as they went halves. Rufus, you probably remember what halves were. You know, you'd get half of the crop and the owner of the property would get half of the crop. <clears throat> but home was the people who lived in that house. I've been involved in Waco Habitat for the last six years. Their convention starts here in Waco this afternoon. One of the things I learned in the six years of being involved in Habitat is that Waco Habitat for Humanity, rightly so, says we, are, we build habitat. We don't build homes. We build housing, safe, affordable, decent housing for people. We build hope. We build communities. But we don't build homes because who builds the home? the people who live in the home. It's only people who can make a house a home. So now I'm going to really get weird on you with pop culture references. Walter Brennan. Raise your hand if you even recognize that name. Okay, good. There's a bunch of old people here. Okay. Walter Brennan was a character actor in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, he won two Academy Awards for Supporting Actor. <clears throat> Walter Brennan wrote a rap song in 1960. Okay, because it had music and he was talking. That was rap, right? Kind of like the Green Beret song is a rap song. Uh, so I'm going to read it to you. It takes a heap of living. Pam said I could not read it in Walter Brennan's voice. It takes a heap of living to make a house a home. A lot of take, lots of giving. 
It takes a heap of living just to make a house a home. A lot of work, lots of playing, and an awful lot of praying. Yes, it takes a heap of living just to make a house a home. Okay, you get what he's going for? Houses are things you build, and people sometimes live in them. And I know lots of people who have gone from place to place looking for the right house. And Brennan and God, I think, agree on this. You turn houses into your homes. You don't buy a new home. You can only buy a house. And it's just as hard for us middle-class Americans to turn our houses into homes as it is for our habitat partners to turn the houses we build for them into a home. It's not easy to create a space where you are safe and accepted and loved. It's not easy here at Lakeshore. It's not about the right decor, whether or not the front's painted green whether your houses are painted in black and white. It's about what's going on inside you. God intends us to be individually and collectively home. So I say to Lakeshore today, be alive in who you are, be safe, be accepting, accept the differences, accept the disagreements, Accept even the misunderstandings. But in the words of Robert Frost, ultimately, home is the place that when I have to go there, they have to let me in. That's what Lakeshore should be. When I have to have some place to go, you guys have to let me in. That's what home is about. This is who we're made to be as a church. And I'll tell you, George Will was talking about us the other day when he said, we're a long way from home. You know George Will, conservative writer that you would expect me to be reading every day. <clears throat> He's also a baseball nut. George Will, when he talks about home, he sometimes is talking about what? Where the game starts and where the game ends. You don't get anything if you don't make it home. Baseball is all about leaving home and getting back safely. What a weird metaphor for the church. Football doesn't do it, basketball doesn't do it, tennis doesn't do it, swimming doesn't do it. Only baseball evokes home. And so when George Will said the other day, we're a long way from home, he was talking about our nation as a home that we should all feel safe and accepted and loved in. And he, Mr. Conservative said we're a long way from there. So Lakeshore can only be home 
by being true to who you are, to who we are. And because I know my home, my lakeshore home, I can say this. I don't need walls to make me feel safe and accepted and loved. I don't need to have people arrested and ripped from their children's arms to feel safe and accepted and loved. I don't need to disparage someone's culture or someone's homeland, be it Africa or Central America or Asia. I don't need to do that. I don't need to badmouth somebody's home to make my home accepting and loving and safe. C.S. Lewis said we're to go up and in on our trip home. Whether it's heaven or here, I think we are already home. I think it's time for us to act like it. I am already home. And my God has already put dinner on the table. Thank you.